eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Uh, first podcast this week, uh, just doing the scouting podcast this week. Um, so we're back after last week and we're staying in the trenches. Uh, the four of us have gone over to tackles, offensive tackles this time. And uh, guys, it's a, it's a class that we really like amongst the four of us, isn't it? It's, I think we could, have, we could have done a couple of podcasts on this. I think there'll be quite a few who crop up in our kind of best of the rest or kind of clean up podcast towards the end of this series, really. Yeah, I think we've all got our guy, haven't we? And, um, and good to see we swapped it around a bit this week to, to break it down. But yeah, everyone's got someone they're a big fan of. Yeah, and, and a couple of them. Um, I said to, said to you, Rob, didn't I, just before we came on, that it would have been a good idea of you to say that we could have done a couple of each. Um, but a couple of hours before we came on, maybe <laughs> wasn't the best timing. <laughs> yeah, no, we should have thought about this because we, well, we discussed it last week, like subliminally, didn't we? When we did the mock draft, there was loads <clears> of tackles <throat> going in the first round. I think we should have picked up one of them. We could have done, we could have done two tonight. But, um, you know, we'll be back uh, after we've wrapped up the whole series and we'll come back with three, four, five, six more shows with, with the sort of players that didn't quite make the, the cut on the podcast. So you will hear from these players that you don't hear from tonight. So don't worry too much. We will be back with, with, with the, a second coming of, of tackles. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We usually start with a bit of a roundup of, of traits that we like. Um, I guess, has anyone got anything different to what they'd say for the, the, the guards or anything like that? Is there anything that you want to say that's a bit different? It's a very similar skill set. There's a couple of little yeah. differences for me. But go on, Rob, after you, you piped up there, you I, carry on. I like to see... it. <laughs> Slight difference I like to see with a tackle to a guard is is a bit more length. Uh, I like them to push out the edge a bit more. Um, whereas, you know, in in as a guard, uh, you're maybe a bit more focused on the on the run. Um, so it's a slight subtle differences. But you know, uh, spoiler alert, you'll you'll hear me talk about a player that can sort of play both, and a lot of these guys can kick inside if they need to. Um, but yeah, the, the the one sort of fundamental for me is is the reach, is the hands. It's pushing those edge rushes out a bit wider to stop to get into the quarterback. Yeah, I'd go along with that. Oh, sorry, Andy, go on, you carry on. No, I was going to say, on the mental side of things, um, probably one of the positions that I put the most uh, value on experience uh, uh, playing there. Like, um, obviously, you can have a couple of uh, positions where you can just do one and done and, and get drafted in, in the league and stuff like that. But for this, it feels like I'm looking for two, three years of full starting experience and you've seen everything, all the different kind of pass rush moves that, that people can throw at you. Um, so, like, you know, that's what I want from your top tier guys that can just plug in and play straight away, that they must have seen, like, good opposition and they must have seen, like, you know, several different styles throughout their career. So, yeah, as much experience as possible. Yeah, for sure. And what about you, Liam? Well, then, uh, like modern years, the more kind of athletic and uh, I'm going to say streamlined the edge rushes are when you want to see your offensive tackles just moving a bit quicker more athletic uh, to get up on the front foot and try and beat their man in terms of pass protection um, and yeah I agree um, not necessarily um, have to be so good uh, as a run first guys because uh, a lot of the times the kind of guards that get pulled around now that they're the kind of athletic guys um, in run blocking terms. Um, but uh, yeah, not much to add really. Let me ask you a question because I don't know the answer to this, but is it more lucrative to be a tackle than a guard in the NFL as per money? Do, 
do tackles get more than guards or is it pretty much, you know, if you're elite on that line, you'll get whatever. But I, I just have this sort of thought in my head that maybe tackles get paid a bit more because they're obviously protecting the quarterback a bit more than a guard would be. Yeah, I think um, it's fair bit, a fair bit more, I would say. Yeah. yeah, and I think unless you're elite, obviously, you know, you've got your top end guards that'll get a lot of money and they'll get tackle money, but um, sort of after the top, top tier, I would say it disseminates quite quickly down to yeah. a lot less, I would say. And centers is the same as well. So then coming through college, you want someone, you know, like Liam just touched on, you want someone with with a football IQ as well, because you need someone who to be versatile, who can play that role effectively in college. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to know. Yeah, for sure. And being like, you know, people talk about left tackle money as well. There's uh, being the most important spot to protect that side of your quarterback. Um, yeah, it's the same as um, guys on the defensive side that uh, try to convince they can play out wide so they can get quote unquote edge money. I think it's the same on, on the O-line, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rashan Gary was one for that a few years ago, wasn't he? he? Wanted to be an edge, and now he's there you go. gone back he's... to his natural position of, of playing actually on the defensive line, where he's actually good. And he's phase. finally got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Took a while, but that was that was one. He actually publicly said, didn't he, that he wanted to be an edge uh, so he could get like much more money, but just be good, and then you'll get paid no matter what. I would say. Do you think that um, amongst the the three of us, do you think that the the it's the right way to put this. The importance of a left versus a right tackle is becoming less and less so now because obviously you've got to have two good edge rushers anyway. So defences are becoming less sort of focused on one side. They're kind of moving guys around and you're going to have two guys to block anyway, if not more. I don't know. If you look at like the, the Tunsil trade from the Dolphins to the Texans a couple of years ago, I mean, it's stupid overpay by the Texans, but you can kind of see why they did it. Um you know, and then if you kind of compare the money that um, that, that Jawan James got from the Dolphins when he went to the Broncos the year before, um, both like good players and good young anchors on your uh, offensive line, but like the, the variance in money there kind of probably still showed the fact that the NFL still values the blindside protections more than the more than the other side. But I, I guess like I mean, like Dolphins are probably are the only team in the league with left-handed quarterback, but that kind of versatility. Um, Seems to be like you know uh, coming up every week now. You got if if some if your right tackle goes down, then your backup left tackle goes in or something like that. I, I think the skill sets obviously fairly similar, but um, but it seems to me like the, the, the all the emphasis is on the left tackles when um, like your point there was that they're just you know that both sides of, of the uh, the rushes are getting better and better, but it still seems to me like the NFL values that blind side because that's where the injuries come, isn't it? And the and the forced fumbles and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. Yeah, for sure. I heard, I can't remember, I can never remember who this tackle is that, that said this. Maybe one of you guys have heard this quote as well, but there was a tackle that was flipped from one side to the other and he said that it was like wiping his backside with the other hand, uh, flipping everything around totally. So um, obviously there's a different skill set to it and a bit of what a... What was he doing? He was saying from <laughs> flipping from one side to the other, it's, it's yeah. like that. I don't know, he must have tried it to make that comparison. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just have a very quick Google. I think it was it Tristan Wirfs. Well, that said that. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. I honestly can't remember. But yeah, it was might have been about. It was would have been a couple of years ago or something like that. Yeah. It's uh, a quote from the 16th of April 2020. One of the top tackles in the NFL draft is willing to play on the right side or the left side. It kind of feels like wiping your butt with the other hand. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was such a quick Google as well. How did you find that so quick? 
And what did you what did you Google as well? <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> Fair enough. Let, let's move swiftly on. So, uh, usual format for today's podcast, we've got four. Well, we've got five guys, haven't we? Because we've got one guy that we've kind of left to be a mutual kind of round table on. So we've got five guys, a bunch of sleepers, and uh, yeah, lots of lots of good tackles as we mentioned before. We'll probably be picking up this again for a second podcast. Um, Liam, why don't you why don't you start us off, uh, kick us off with your with your uh, top tackle? Okay, yep. Yeah, um, Alex Leatherwood out of Alabama, who I'm going to talk about, a guy that um, I'm uh, happy to be talking about, one of my guys uh, in this offensive tackle class. Uh, anyone that uh, listened to our um, uh, mock draft uh, in the regular episode uh, will know that I was very happy to um, just sit and have him for, I think we took him uh, fourth offensive tackle in the class among the number that we took in the first round. Um as I say, uh, on the uh, Crimson Tide, now reigning champion uh, Crimson Tide's uh, offensive line uh, at left tackle, uh, six foot six, approximately 310 pounds. Um, I'll just go back to the beginning. He grew up in uh, Pensacola, Florida, and uh, attended uh, Booker T. Washington High School, where he uh, achieved first team honors before moving on. He played uh, also uh, in uh, high school's All Star game, the All America Bowl. Uh, he was five-star recruit, uh, going uh, and consensus among the top of the entire class the year that he was uh, recruited. Received 14 offers, uh, which uh, the list of schools uh, on that list, it reads like a kind of who's who of Power 5 schools, but he accepted the offer from Alabama uh, to be part of uh, the Tides' uh, now-famed 2017 recruiting class uh, that included, uh, among others, Najee Harris, Dylan Moses, Jerry Judy, Tua Tungavailoa, Jedrick Wills, Xavier McKinney, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs, and Mac Jones. Um, yeah, one of the great uh, recent recruiting classes, I think, there in recent years. Um, in his time at Alabama, he's played in four bowl games, three national championship games, um, made seven appearances as a true freshman, uh, including having to fill in at left tackle for the injured Jonah Williams in the national title game that year. Um, played on the right side of the line in uh, most of his sophomore year and started every game. Uh, last season, uh, as a junior, he was moved back to the left, back to left tackle. He stayed there for uh, the most part and I think could have declared last year and would still have been uh, one of the best uh, offensive tackles. And uh, But chose to go back and uh, this year as a senior, started every game in uh, Alabama's undefeated uh, title-winning season. Um, some uh, pros of his playing style uh, from film really like uh, his power. Um, he can be a real mauler, especially in the run game, uh, which is uh, what you like to see uh, from run blocking. Uh, able to create lanes really easily, finishes well. Um, obvious strength in his hands and really good technique with hand placement. Um, he can just move guys around once he's engaged, and that's in, in all kind of blocking uh, styles and really reliable in pass protection as well. Um, I've noted he's really good um, build, just looks so solid on film. He can get set so quickly off uh, off the snap. Um, really smart player too. Times his plays on film really well. Uh, Alabama's uh, O-line uh, has a, as a whole is so well coached and so well drilled. They time things so well. They obviously work and drill plays really really nicely um, we've talked on the uh, on the last episode with the guards and the uh, sensors that um, how some of that how good some of their prospects are and just as a unit on 
plays like screens and flats they're all just all set and all off so easily as a unit and so quickly um i really like a lot of his his tape as as a pass protector he's passed protected for like some really really top quarterbacks and uh, some really good uh, offensive schemes with different offensive coaches and always look really really strong um where he needs to work on uh, i think as good as he is in pass blocking especially kind of zone blocks where he can position himself um uh quickly um he kind of he can have better footwork and, and movement uh so uh, and that also means that movement and speed getting down the field uh, can improve he's as i say like really good when he he can be in position and really solid but um not a guy that you can kind of just move down the field kind of as well and as quickly um, as some of the quicker guys just uh, out in the flat, uh, he could do with more count. Uh, could do more counters uh, against more speed and creative pass rushes. I've noted. Um, I think guys can kind of move inside him a little bit quickly as long as he can get his hands on you. He can beat you. Um, but they, I think, there needs to be a few uh, more things to work on against speedier guys that can that have more moves that can get by him. Um, for this reason. Um, Oh, well, I've read that um, move to uh, offensive guard and the pros could work. And um, I usually grade versatility quite highly. Um, but I think that um, as an offensive tackle, and he's such a promising offensive tackle, I think he needs to just stay there and focus on that. Um, we've talked also about uh, uh, leadership. And this is something that's, I think, quite a, a big pro with him, is that I think he interviews really well. Lethwood, he also wrote the, uh, the screenplay for Alabama's uh, Black Lives Matter movement video at the start of the year. Um, it included a lot of the players, a lot of the coaches, and should be noted, he was a, he was the guy that lifted the the trophy with Nick Saban at the, for the Natty when they won it. Um, it. I think it speaks to his regard as a leader on what is obviously a really good, strong team that's filled with talent. Um, I think this is the sort of thing that will come through in team interviews leading up to the draft when he gets to meet with teams um, at the senior bowl as well. Um, I think that he'll, I think he'll do really well in all the drills uh, at senior bowl. I think he's a really, um, really solid first rounder, and um, he's certainly going to be, um, yeah, first rounder for me when I come to finish off my grades for the position. Yeah, really, really impressive player um, all round, isn't it? Always has been at Alabama. Um, like you say, moving around the line, protecting a bunch of people in a bunch of schemes. Just, just rock solid guy, I think. Uh, but he's got that nasty streak as well. We talked about that nasty streak, didn't we? A couple of weeks ago, when we we're talking about the guards and things like that. And he, he certainly possesses that from from what I've seen of him as well. Yeah, like like I say, it's great seeing the run game. Like he can really finish guys. And like uh, like I noted and called him a mauler. He's he's just. Yeah, he'll just take out his any frustration on you in the run game, and he just moves guys so easily when he when he can, like I say, really, really, really strong as a blocker. Mm. Yeah, he's starting to rise up my mind in my board. I thought he was a bit of a. I thought he was going to be one that's going to be able to kick inside as a as a guard in the next level at the start of the season. But after watching him this season, I think he's he's probably got more possibilities to stay outside now. Actually, yeah, like I say, it's, it's funny. I would usually grade versatility and, and that but you can really make a, a case for guys that are this good in offensive tackle and has the kind of skill set he has I think staying there it's interesting that a lot of people have noted that he could be an offensive tackle at the next level it, he's been he's got so many starts for Bama but the majority is at offensive tackle and I think it's I think it's where his 
his pro future lies. Mm. Do you think he benefited by it? Because obviously, like you said, I think it's widely said that he could have come out last year. Do you think he benefited from that extra year? Obviously won the national championship, put on some more film and uh, yeah, played left tackle and, and was excellent. Yeah, we've talked about guys that have kind of, that they go back for that extra year and then they dip in form and it affects them. And you want to, you understand why going back, especially for a big team like Alabama, you want to put as, as many um, plays on film as you can and to, to keep at such a level is, is really, really good for him. And uh, yeah, I've really liked his film from this year as well. Like I said, I would have had a high grade on him last year, but yeah, he sustained it this year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So we're recording on the evening of 18th of January. So this is the actual deadline for underclassmen to declare. So we could be seeing, yeah, these sort of people go back and, and like you say, go both ways really on this. You know, they could come back and they could do really well, submit that draft stock, or it could go the other way, which I'm sure it will do for quite a few people as well. But it's part of the draft process, isn't it? And uh, it's an interesting one. It works both ways a lot of the time. Who should we come to next? Rob, let's come to you for uh, for your guy, because you and Andy have kind of switched and done each other's guys, really, haven't you? So it should be interesting to have, kind of hear both of you guys talk about uh, about, about these two. Yeah, well, we sort of said that both of us were, were sort of high on the players we sort of picked, and we said, well, let's switch it up a little bit. I didn't know too much about uh, the guy that I'm about to talk about, and uh, Andy, I don't think I had too much information about by um, the guy he's going to talk about. So... Um, I, I got. I know you're trying to be coy, by the way, but I don't think anyone will not be able to guess if they've been listening to us over the past few weeks. We were <laughs> speaking about it. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, um, you might have guessed already that I've got Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, subsequently, Andy's favourite tackle in the, in the draft. <laughs> uh, no, I. Yeah, he's, um, I was impressed. Very impressed. Uh, I can certainly see why Andy likes him. Um, six four, three hundred pounds four-star recruit out of Bishop O'Dowd uh, in Oakland, which we have mentioned before on the podcast. I think that's quite a talent factory in San Francisco uh, in the Bay Area. Um, sorry, Oakland, you know, same sort of place when you look on a map. Um, he had loads of offers coming out of school, mostly uh, Pac-12 teams, UCLA, uh, Cal, Arizona State, uh, Washington State, um, a couple of sort of offers in, in the middle of the country as well, Michigan and, and Texas A&M. Um, yeah, a Maulin O-lineman can play both tackle and guard. So it goes back to what um, Liam was just saying there about versatility. Um, and what we've kind of spoke about a couple of times this podcast is the fact that, yeah, this is a perfect example of a guy that can play both positions and play both positions fairly well. Um, however, I have got a personal preference after watching tape and I do prefer him as a guard um, personally. Um, and I shall go through why that is in a moment. Um he was originally a COVID opt-out for this season, so we probably weren't going to see him. Uh, change his mind when the Pac-12 announced that they would return, uh, which is good. So we managed to see him on the field. Um, so the pros, uh, I found he was a good run blocker. He can move DTs uh, with relative ease. Um, yeah, he can open up lanes uh, for the for the rushes uh, quite nicely. Um, his balance, one of the best traits he's got is he's just... You won't often see him hit the floor. Um, he's, he's always on his feet. Uh, he's got great balance. Uh, very powerful. Uh, can literally run defenders into the turf um, and then go move on to linebackers if he wants to. Uh, he's one of these guys that just stays on his feet and just keeps mauling. He comes with a good football IQ. I mentioned it five minutes ago. Um, you know, he, he plays in multiple positions, plays multiple schemes. 
uh, you know, you can literally fit him in anywhere other than centre. So a uh, very versatile player with a, with a, with a good IQ for the, for the game. Good athleticism. Uh, he's got a good kick slide in particular. Uh, he knows how to control his hands as well, which is good. Um, but let's move on to the cons. And there, there wasn't many, to be honest. I had to dig quite deep um, to find some cons uh, about him. Um, the reason why I prefer him to a guard and a tackle, um, I mentioned right at the beginning about arm length. Uh, probably a weakness for Vera Tucker. His arm length isn't the longest. Um, therefore, he doesn't fare too well with speed rushes. Uh, when he's playing at the tackle position. Um, he only played it last year. He was a, he was a guard in, uh, previously, but kicked out to, to tackle um, for this last season. And I don't know. I just felt that he, when he came up against an elite speed rusher, it was not easy to get past him, but it was, you know, that the other tackles in this class are better at holding off a speed rusher is what I'm sort of trying to say here. Um, I think if he, if he can play, if he can keep the play vertical, is good with his hands. He can control his hands. He's got good hand placement, got good fighting skills. But as soon as you ask him to push out wider, the, the arm's length just doesn't really uh, pay too many dividends. So that's why I personally prefer him as a guard. I think, you know, that's probably his strongest position. Um, but having said that, he can play a tackle and he has done a pretty good job, uh, you know, last year. Um, one thing I noted is there is a difference between power and strength. I think this guy is very powerful. He uses that to his advantage, but he's not necessarily the strongest. So if he's plowing through players, he's very good at it. But if he's trying to hold players off, sometimes it can be a bit of a weakness. So there is a bit of a difference between power and strength. Like I said, he uses power very well, not so much his strength. Uh, He tends to kind of push players rather than, hold them tight so um again this is picking holes uh, you know when i first looked at him i thought well there's not a lot wrong with this guy um until i dug a bit deeper um and then, like i said for the reasons why uh, i prefer him as a guard um but you know, others might say otherwise but other than that fantastic player um i think his first round pedigree i think he'll, he'll fit into an nfl scheme somewhere that so many people are saying kansas city fits in perfect with kansas city because he helps the run game uh something that kansas need and yeah he would fit in nicely there if he lasts to the end of the first do you reckon nfl do you reckon nfl wise he's a guard or a tackle what do you reckon or do you reckon it, it depends where he lands and things like that i i I think guard personally. Um, I, th- I think he plays your strengths, and like I said, the, st- the strength isn't as a tackle. You, when you're in the NFL, those speed rushes are next next level. They, you know, they're they're a different level of edge rusher in the NFL. Sure. And if you're not struggling, but if your if your weakness is not coping so well with the speed rushes and not 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 coping so well on the edge with that arm length, then you said it 10 minutes ago, play to your strengths. Um, you know, and I, I personally think his, his strengths in, in sort of kicked inside. That's fair. Yeah. And I'll bring you in at this point, because obviously you've watched AVT quite a lot over the season. You've obviously been posting some clips and things like that. What, what do you reckon? Uh, I mean, I, I'm quite comfortable with him at tackle. I think um, Rob makes some good points. And uh, frankly, I think, um, you know, to start playing in the league, you'll play at guard. Uh, no matter where he gets drafted, but I think I, I think he can transition to tackle with a bit more experience there, a bit more uh, coaching, um, a bit more experience in setting the edge, um, which is the kind of weakness that I've pulled from his game. I think uh, which game was it? Now? Is it Arizona State? Where we, we, we both? Oh no, it's Oregon. 
don't know, Lee, you and I, we, we both watched the game and when we both came back and commented afterwards saying it, it got it was a bit of a battle and it wasn't as easy as it'd been in previous weeks. It was, it was the Oregon game against yeah. Caleb on uh, Thibodeau. That was it, yeah. So um, I know he's, he's got the challenge there and, and been found wanting a little bit, but um, the, the thing that's impressed me throughout the season is it just got consistently better. Um, there's, you know, he's, he's obviously working at his craft a lot. Um, he's got very good head on his shoulders and when he's playing the kind of thing that jumps off the plate for me is the aggression and the way he finishes uh, reps and I really love that I think that's what's going to make him like a, a real favourite for NFL coaches who just gets off the line explosively uh, and especially in the run game he just drives people into the floor opens the lane up and, and USC's really benefited from that this season um, and, and like as much as Caden Slovis has been uh, hit and miss at times this year with a bit big kind of future ahead of him if he, if he plays his cards right he, he's not had anything to worry about coming off that left tackle position yeah for sure and it's a bit of a maybe a bit of a silly question maybe ask nine question because obviously you've drafted him in the first round but do you think he's a first round player as well yeah i think so i mean i, I maybe not going as early as I've, I've had him i've had him like top 10 top 15 in the, the last two things we've done um i can see somebody falling in love with him i can see the kind of that's where your kind of interviews and stuff are really going to benefit him he's obviously an intelligent chap um, but like you know, he's, he's not going to be on there past thirty-two. I don't think that versatility is something that everyone's crying out for. I'd love him on my on my Dolphins if he gets to to eighteen, and we've already addressed the wide receiver position just because of that. You know, it, the, this season we've gone through so many uh, rotations of the offensive line with different players at different places. Uh, Eric Flowers has been the only constant at left guard, so put him at right guard and, and shunt Robert Hunter right tackle. I'll be very happy. <laughs> mm. I think Rob said it last week, didn't you, Rob, when you said that there's so many teams that are crying out for offensive linemen and good yeah. offensive linemen at that. I think we're going to get quite a glut, aren't we? I think we were, we were spot on last week with the way that we kind of drafted through our first and yeah. also our second round as well. We had a bunch it's of these a massive guys league-wide hole uh, all across the offensive lines. Um, you know, when, when, when you're looking at decent offensive lines in, in, in the NFL, you can count on one hand. Um, very fortunate that I support one of those. <laughs> um, I say here, whilst one of our, our left tackles just just retired, so maybe not so much now. But yeah, there's there's a screaming need for for start for NFL caliber players coming through college to start to plug and play. And we're very fortunate that this class has got quite a few of those. I think. Yeah, and I was just going to say on top of that as well is that even when um, like the kind of players get drafted as tackles in the first round, second round. And they don't quite kind of stand up to scrutiny. They're still in the league five, six, seven years down the line. They've shunted around and they've, you know, they're earning good pay, good money. And that's exactly for what you're saying. Just lack of lack of talent at that position. Yeah, for sure. So it'll be it'll be a good year for everyone to be able to grab a couple. Like I said, I think I said a couple of weeks ago when we're doing the 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 guards that I want the Chargers to get a couple at least. Um, you know, offensive lineman. So yeah, bring it on. I'm I'm really excited, and yeah, it's a really good year to need a, a tackle or an offensive lineman in general. I think, and yeah, I think all four of our teams could do with at least one. <laughs> um, Andy, I'll come back to you um, just to do the same sort of switch around, really. But yeah, go ahead with uh, with your guy. Yeah, uh, Liam Eichenberg. And I can't remember, is it, is it Eichenberg? Because what I was thinking, I couldn't get his name on tape at all because he just didn't really make many mistakes. So like, it just wasn't really brought up in, <laughs> in, co- uh, in commentary. But yeah, that's a, that's a strong name anyway. Um, yeah, Notre Dame, uh, six foot six, 302 pounds, um, kind of redshirt senior grad student sort of um, guy. Um, athletic, uh, the Athletic and CBS had him as an All-American.
All-American this year. A very high standard of performance, didn't allow a sack uh, all year. And uh, and this was his third year starting at left tackle for the for the Irish. So a lot of experience on that head um, and a lot of like, uh, you know, he's seen a good amount of rotation alongside him and he's, and he's been consistent throughout. So, um, you know, good, good start uh, when you initially dive into him and uh, find out a bit more about him. Um, what I, the tape I watched actually was the Alabama game mainly. And uh, that was, again, something I was mentioned talking about earlier, wanted to see him going against the best competition they can. Uh, I thought he got, he, I thought he got beat a few times in that game, but it, by and large, he had, a, he had a very solid performance and one that I think, you know, Rob will be, uh, would have been happy with on the day despite the results. So, you can see why why you're so high on him, mate. Um, pros wise, a fantastic anchor that jumped off to the you know first three or four kind of snaps you watch him play. Just sets the sets himself powerful legs, absorb the rush, um, and he looks very strong on that line. Um, I thought he set set the edge really well, um, like quite a quite a steep drop back into his stance sometimes, and I kind of wondered whether that was a, that was. To, because of the respect he'd got for the opposition, kind of just dropping quite far off and, and absorbing that rush and, and just getting his feet set before he uh, before he engaged. Um, but the, but I also found that was quite beneficial when he was um, playing the kind of quicker rushes because he could just bounce around the around the back of the uh, the pocket and out the other side. So he was uh, keeping the pressure off book in the in the pocket. Um, very agile hands, um, doesn't really allow his opponent to set and drive him backwards. He's, he's always kind of batting away there and, and moving them around. But very uh, quick, uh, quick hands is probably the best way to say that. Uh, and like going back to that IQ point as well, I think he anticipates the blitz really well. You can kind of see him picking up the uh, the rusher coming late or identifying it pre-snap and talking along the line. So that's exactly what you want, that leadership. Um, upper body strength, I thought that was that was particularly um, evident on tape, uh, maybe not in the Bama game actually, but like when I moved into some of the other, some of the other Notre Dame games this season, um, very strong uh, in the run game. Uh, what I did notice in the Bama game actually was they hardly ran the ball behind the left side of that line, um, which was quite interesting. And um, the kind of, obviously talked about Aaron Banks the week before playing uh, left guard um, and him, but there wasn't a lot of rush behind himself. So I was a little bit like, a little bit worried about that, but then I flipped to other tape and and uh, fairly evenly split really. But so it must have been a, a matchup assignment that, that that played out against the, in the, in the playoffs, sorry. Um, and finally, like th- this kind of thing, which is on quite a lot of the scouting reports, if you read them online for the top tackles, is just finds work when he's actually uncovered. So goes and finds some, uh, uh, you know, the other players a block or, or to get stuck in. And, and he delivers quite a lot of big hits coming off the side there and just like shunts people around. So a uh, big fan of that. Um, a couple of weaknesses uh, for me. One of them was the kind of lack of sustained blocks. Um, he prefers to like bounce guys off him and let them come again and bounce them off him, um, which I don't know. It doesn't. Didn't, sometimes I was looking for him to be like driving that that rusher away, opening up the gap there, and, and giving the quarterback a few, bit more time. And he, he just kind of invited it onto himself a, a, a bit too much for me. Uh, also, that kind of lateral quickness, uh, like I mentioned that in the Bama game, he was dropping deep to, to see the speed rusher off around the edge. But um, sometimes you get caught out in that move and they just slip through his left arm and, and get around the back of the quarterback. So that's one to, one to watch and one technique-wise to work on at the next level. And um, the, the last thing I kind of picked up was he sometimes gets running, uh, beating run sets where he kind of overextends into the block and the the, the um, uh, defender, so the 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 
defensive lineman uh, swipes his arms away, just breaks inside and, and makes a play on the rusher. So some some little holes there, which are all kind of technique, I think. So that can definitely be worked on. Um, I don't think I'm quite as high on him as Rob is. I think like top end of the second, back end of the first for for me is his kind of ceiling. Uh, I can see why someone would fall in love with him. I think that, that technique just needs a bit of extra work um, and he'll be like a long-term star in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Rob, I'll chuck it straight over to you. What what, what do you reckon uh, to what Andy's just had a run-through of there of uh, Liam Eichenberg? Pretty spot on, to be honest. And and I've got a second-round grade on him. Um, yeah, I think there's better tackles in this class. I do. Uh, the one thing I love about, about Ike is that he, he is the guy on the sidelines that is always giving the pep talks. He's always the guy that's sort of riling up the crowd and, and getting stuck in in the middle and, and sort of getting everyone going. Um, so the leadership skills for me is, is, is a big plus. Um, I think I think he's and I know we don't particularly like the term but I think he's NFL ready I think he's he's you know a year of being sort of a plug and play learner in the NFL might not have the, the most fantastic rookie season um, but I think he'll learn quickly uh, how to how to be better um, but yeah like I said I, th- I think there's better tackles uh, I've got a, a second round grader than him he, he didn't make my first round mocks so um so yeah, I think you're very fair. Um, what you were saying there is, it's good. He's very good, and he's part of a very good unit of an offensive line. So again, if he goes into a, another good unit, then then it'll bring the best out of him. Hmm. Yeah, from what from what I've seen of him, which is here and there, it's not obviously as extensive as what you guys would have watched him. But his kick sides look a bit lazy, and he plays a bit upright as well. I feel so. It's again it's kind of playing to what you were saying, Andy, yeah. about his uh, his technique really. And that could all be coached out of him, I think. Yeah, he plays very upright. That is one thing that I've I've noticed of him. Um, and he's yeah, he's good when he when you double team into sort of second level as well. Um, but yeah, he's a very versatile sort of, um, which yeah uh, needs work. It's all coachable though. I think you know with the experience that he's got at left tackle for a top program, especially in producing offensive linemen. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. You know, it's like like Andy said, learn on the job for a year or two, and and you know you'll be, you'll be absolutely fine there. Might yeah. maybe not have the the greatest rookie year as we've said, but yeah, no, good good review for sure. And uh, yeah, I think he'll turn into a bit of a bargain for someone if you get him at the end of the first. I'll move on then. Move on to to my guy. I'll finish off the last of the guys that we're doing singularly. Um, I've got Christine Darisor from Virginia Tech. Um, I was super impressed with this guy first and foremost. I'll uh, start off with some measurements. Uh, we've got 6'5", 214. He's a junior out of Virginia Tech. Um, didn't get a bunch of offers. I know we always reel off the the offers that these guys get. Um, and we've had obviously one with Alex Leverwood earlier on. But um, yeah, he didn't get a great deal of offers out of high school. Um, he went to uh, Upper Marlborough High School in uh, Maryland. Um, obviously just down the road from Virginia. Um, and actually, just before he we went to college, went to Fork Union Military Academy. Uh, played a bit of football there, obviously learned some discipline and things like that. So went a kind of different route towards uh, college football, which obviously is not something we mentioned. As we mentioned, we kind of reel off these uh, offers that they get out of high school, these players. But he's, he's uh, kind of a, not a late bloomer, but he's definitely had a more steady career, you know, and he's now sort of reaching the the, the peak of his powers almost as he comes into the NFL, which is, is, is a nice thing that I like to see. I like to see that growth from players, not wanting to be stagnant and kind of uh, leveling off and, and plateauing as they, as they kind of reach in the league, but, you know, able to have that high higher ceiling. After one year at Fork Union, he uh, was offered, uh, didn't even get the, you know, the best offers out of that, but he got Morgan State, North Carolina Central and Central Connecticut. But, 
uh, Fork Union Military Academy has a bit of a pipeline to Virginia Tech. So they took him on and he wowed them in, in that first summer camp and took their left tackle job. And he's not played anywhere else since. Which does lead me to say that obviously he's not been the most versatile of players, which we've mentioned from, from our other guys that we've, we've liked that versatility. But Darisot has just played left tackle the whole time and he's not really missed a beat. He missed a couple of games for injury this season, just gone. But, um, you know, minor injury, nothing to, uh, you know, nothing to mark him down for or anything like that for, for in terms of injury. But like I say, moving on to tape, I just thought he was rock, rock solid. Um, plays with excellent posture, you know, going talking about Eichenberg, talk a bit upright. I think he plays nice and hunched with good knee bend, um, great power, great balance. And something I talked about, you know, not getting caught off balance when we're talking about the guards and and something we mentioned again when we're talking about the guards and also the, the defensive tackles, I believe. Uh, fantastic anchor, just rarely, rarely gets pushed back. He plays within himself, I feel as well, which is important. He doesn't play as though he's trying to make play catch up, like he's recovering on the reps. I feel like he plays like he's really relaxed and he's kind of got the situation under control. Um, he keeps the man in front of him and uses his body really, really well to keep his guy in front of him and doesn't let him kind of stray too far either way. He doesn't show the guy inside or overcommit one way and, and let him cut the, the rusher back the other way. I don't think he's the flashiest player at all. I think we've got flashier tackles out there that are kind of wow people, but I just think he's rock solid and maybe some people will mark him down from that because he won't jump off the film. But I didn't see him allow any sort of uh, any sort of sacks. I don't think I really saw him um, allow pressure through the four games that I watched. So I watched Wake Forest from 2019, Clemson from this year, Boston College from this year, and Miami from this year. So we're looking at Carl Basham. We're looking at Jalen Phillips from Miami, Quincy Roche, and obviously Clemson's defense as well. And I don't feel like I've seen him give up too much to those those defenses. So, you know, obviously that is just another tick in the column for me, um, uh, for Chris and Darasaw. Like I say, just, just really athletic and light on his feet as well. Just plays into that balance uh, style that he's got, and like I said, not really allowing anyone to get around him. I just feel like he pushes edge rushers up the arc with with ease. Really, he just kind of shuns them away and lets Herndon Hooker run through for some uh, for some rushing yards, which I saw a heck of a lot of uh, when I was watching Virginia Tech tape, which is which was really good. Um, I think he's gone to was it Tennessee that he's gone to now. Yeah, we uh, want to watch for next year for sure. It's really fun quarterback. Actually, really enjoyed watching him. But anyway, back to back to Darisol. On to weaknesses. We talked a couple of weeks ago about nastiness and about burying people and this demeanor and things like that. Don't see it. I don't see this at all. He's just seems a bit nice, to be honest with you. He's kind of this doorman instead of this back street baller. I coined that phrase last uh, couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the interior lineman. But it doesn't seem to have that aggression in him at all. Like I said, he seems to play within himself, but that, that also carries over to the aggression side of things as well. Even more so in like the passing game, you'll get out to the second level and you'll kind of just herd defenders in a way he doesn't like bury them or push them out of bounds or pancake them or anything like that he kind of just gets in the way and just like I say just herds people through and like lets the the ball carrier come past him so I'd like to see him kind of pick up on that kind of I know he's kind of whether it's in his nature or not so it's whether that he'll ever you know see that but uh, yeah kind of marked him down for that sort of thing but um, yeah top marks really for anchor pass around run protection really really good um, and also strength as well. I just think he's really, really strong and, and balance was excellent. So, yeah, no, a glowing review, really. I've got a late first on him at the moment. And I think um, I wanted him because I was really interested because he seems to be linked to the Chargers pick at 13 quite a lot recently. So I wanted to kind of get eyes on him. And, uh, yeah, if it turns out to be that the case that he goes at 13 to the Chargers, I'd be really, really happy with him. Um, he'd be an absolute massive upgrade on what we've had at left tackle most recently for the past couple of years. So, yeah, I'd, I'd take him in a heartbeat if he was available at 13. And, and I don't think we'd be 
just kind of mentioned him in, in a negative sense for very much. I think he'd, he'd kind of shine a lot uh, throughout this year without being too flashy. Are your uh, number two tackle in this class, do you think? At the moment, I'd probably say yes, without having graded the guys officially that you, you guys have talked about. Um, but it feels like it, for sure. He's definitely he's got the second highest grade as it stands, but like I said, not really looked into Eichenberg or AVT in terms of like actually grading them all level, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, he's way off the my number one tackle, which I've, we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, the late first round grade for tackles, very, very positive, I'd say. Yeah. I've, I've got him going to Indy at 23. I think he's... You know, he ticks all the boxes to be Anthony mm. Costanzo's replacement. And he reminds me a bit of Costanzo, actually. Um, you said being sort of a nice guy and that. And I think Costanzo's not got much mean to him. Um, I have to, I literally, as we're talking, I'm, I'm, I've got, I've got his tape up actually. Um, I'm watching a bit of tape and I've just, as the moment you mentioned that he's a bit of a nice guy, not really a mauler, uh, not really like a bit of a dickhead. I've seen him literally just dig an elbow into someone on the ground. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> uh, but no, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, um, he's a good player. He's a very good player and I'm excited to watch him. Um, you know, um, he's definitely in the, the top sort of three or four uh, for me of this class. Definitely. Mm. It was a lot on the, the the thing that jumped out at me with that was it was on like screen plays and stuff like that or plays where the run was was going through to the second level and he'd go to the second level but he wouldn't like actively engage with the linebacker or the corner or whoever he was going to block he'd just kind of go up to them and kind of just make sure that he didn't pass to tackle whoever it was that's carrying the ball and you just want to see him drive on people don't you and just like go through someone and, and put them to the ground but he doesn't seem to do that yeah he's definitely got the athleticism so it's not as though he's getting there too slowly either so i don't really know because no, he... i was watching um Deontay brown wasn't i, I was saying he's working through quicksand same with landon dickerson you don't see that with him he's got light feet and he can definitely run but yeah just yeah exactly people. that he's, he's, he's quite like fit he's got very good um like uh, i'd say poise he's, he's got um his reactions, like he, he can, the minute the defensive player moves, he's, he's there, he's on him, mm. um, you know, and so he's, he's got very good sort of reactionary skills, uh, which is a good trait to have. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, I just think he just plays within himself. He just seems calm, like he's got everything under control, um, which like I said before, would, would be a massive upgrade on the Chargers line if he ended up coming to us. But yeah, I think he'll grace any left tackle spot um, throughout the league if uh, if he ends up there, um, whoever picks him up in round one, I would say. So yeah, that's uh, that's our first four guys that we've done singularly. Obviously, we've left out the the big guy, the number one tackle in I think everyone's mind. Really, I don't think there's any dispute in it. Um, Penai Sewell from Oregon. Obviously, didn't see him this year, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but I don't think it's going to matter too much. His tape is absolutely dominant from from the guy, the games that I watched in summer. Um, I watched Stanford from 2018, Auburn uh, 2019, obviously Cal and Utah. And I've just never seen a tackle this dominant before. He's just incredible. Uh, just keeps everything in front of them. Um, Mario Cristobal, I've got a quote from him in my, in my notes here. The most explosive power that I've ever seen from an offensive line or as a, head, as a line coach or a, a head coach. And I'd agree with it. He's just absolutely beast people, doesn't he? He's just, and again, just looks like it's too easy for him. He just looks like he just wants more of a challenge, I think. And <laughs> I don't know, he's one of them that... He almost does look a bit too easy for him. I just think that he just has got so much immense power, so much anchor. He just keeps everything in front of him. Run blocking absolutely destroys people. Pass blocking, I don't think I saw anyone ever get past him. Um, I've got in my notes here that in 2019, he allowed seven pressures the whole year. 
that's it. <laughs> so, you know, you're not getting past him. Um, he put together a streak of eight without allowing any pressures at all on the QB, which would have been Justin Herbert at that time. Um, it was really, you know, when the Chargers were really lagging in the mid middle of the season, I was thinking like, it wouldn't be bad just to kind of lose, lose out and just take him at like three or four. Weren't able to do that. But uh, yeah, I don't know what you guys think of him. I could literally talk about this guy all the time and I feel like I'll dominate the podcast. I know, Liam, you've got a bit of notes on him and you've not spoken for a while. So I'll come to you first for, for a few bits on Penai as well. Yeah, I can just do the... With a, well, I was going to say with a few pros and cons, but it's mostly the former, isn't it? With him, just add to <laughs> add, add to what you said. I, the main thing is just uh, I've just noted like he's just a true all rounder, mm. size, power, movement, all really, really good. And like to add to everything you've just said about how dominant he's been in in stretches, he's doing all this as a twenty year old as well, which like which means that there's a higher ceiling to be had, which is uh, yeah, scary. Um, arm and hand strength are just awesome with him like just really 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 top notch and just makes such a difference when especially in pass blocking but also with run blocking when he can just extend and and just get his hands on people it, it yeah it's um yeah really top stuff that I think that the only kind of knock that I've put on him is just perfecting his hand placements as against pass rushes and perfecting technique which for a guy that wouldn't have been draft eligible up until today is kind of, is not really a, a fair knock because it's kind of, uh, it's just kind of just trying to pick bits out of it. One thing I would, I would say about his kind of, his stock is that um, I think that I, I wonder how suited he would be to playing right tackle. And I'm mentioning that because the sort of teams that are being linked with him the likes of the Jets, the Dolphins. I think that that's probably where they'd ask him to play. And I, I, I don't know how much experience he's got on the right side, but it's all, all from the left side to me. So it's it's going to be interesting to his, his versatility and will come into to play there with the as long as his stock holds up with the with the opt out, he should still be a top five or six guy. And all of those teams that could be in for him in that in that area you could make a case for them needing a right tackle more than a left tackle. And I think that might be interesting to, to see how his, uh, how his play comes into question then with those sort of teams. Yeah. I think from the, from the absolute dominance of his tape, I think he's, I don't think it'd be a problem. You know, it's not that he's played. I don't think he's not, I don't think he has played the right tackle at all in college. I don't think he has either, but I think teams will might ask him to, and it is going to be a bit Hmm. different for him. Yeah, it is. But I think he's he's good enough to kind of make that transition quite easily, I'd say. I don't know. I just absolutely love him. I'm trying not to overstep yes. um, <laughs> with how much I want to speak about him. So I've got one, I had one con that I didn't mention earlier that I've got in my on my report here. So I said, this is really nitpicking, but it seems like he leaves his inside shoulder open to some pass rushes. That's it. That's the only thing I put. And I said, I thought that was nitpicking because it didn't really happen. But so, he just left. You know, so if he was coming up against an NFL rusher, again, they could moving to his right. Yeah, so that was it. And then the other thing that I thought that's I did qualify by saying it's probably because it's a bit too easy that he just had takes some reps at what looks like three quarter speed, but it's probably because it's just too easy for him that he just does that. So, so that that all backs up the right tackle point then, though, that because that's all moving to his right. Mm. So it is something that is something to think about, especially if you know the Jets, are, like I mentioned, the Jets and the Dolphins, but other teams as well, the Bengals. Bengals, if yeah, they, they, look, if they consider him. 
they would all at the moment want to place him at right tackle. So it's it's going to be interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's a really good point actually because obviously all these these have got really good tackles. Sorry, mm. I'm just it's just not fair playing against it. He literally he decks players, doesn't he? Like he's the definition of a mauler because he he puts two to three players on the deck each play, mm. each snap. He just go like. <laughs> You just see him just literally just launch himself into people, and then yeah, it's it's unfair. If you're an undersized defensive lineman, you are in trouble if you come up against Sewell. But even if you're a good size <laughs> defensive tackle or a defensive lineman, you're going to be in trouble because he he's just so powerful. And I, I've I've seen him I've, again. Just been watching tape while you two were talking there, and I I've just seen him sprint down the field in front of a running back to get to a linebacker. Like he was in front of the running back, the running back didn't catch him up. <laughs> you know, he's just so powerful and so unique. I think, um, which is why he's, you know, yeah, I think for everyone is 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 uh, hands hands down number one um, tackle in, in the in the draft. And I, I think he goes number two. I've been quite vocal with that. I think he goes to the Jets. But um, so whether like Liam said that he might be asked to kick out to the right, I don't know. But he is. Uh, one of the best talents in this draft and he's so good to watch I'd say he's the best talent in the draft to be honest but pound for pound, that's just yeah. me yeah. Liam will be very pleased with Kai Becton and Sol being the uh, the tackles for Sam Darnold in his pres- preservation society operation save Sam Darnold but to what we <laughs> said at the start they're, they're, at some point they're both going to want left tackle money and it is a, it is a thing so yeah, mm. the left tackle guys, uh, and yeah, well, Beckton's solidified at left tackle there. I, uh, I, I'd like to see him kind of uh, move to his right. I get that it shouldn't be such an issue, but I think it's interesting because I think that at least three of those top six teams, that's where they're going to want to play him. It's a nice problem to have, I would say. Yeah, it is. I don't think it's a and, it's a problem <laughs> unless he gets there and he and he and he struggles, but he shouldn't. Well, no, but obviously we've got the the anomaly of or the sort of unknown, should I say, not really an anomaly, but the the unknown of him having a year off, whether he's you know kept everything up. And do. Yeah. I did see I did see a tweet from someone I can't remember who it was, but saying that some guys are going to have taken this year off and got got obsessed with the Xbox and pizza, and it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, and we're not going to see it because there's no combine either. So it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting that we kind of maybe get to see these guys sometimes in training camp or on pro days where everything's going to be inflated and, and things like that. And we're going to get some shocks for sure. I thought it was a travesty that the the the, uh, the combine is, is not going to go ahead. I know it's, it's unsafe uh, in some senses, but yeah, it's going to be the wild west this draft. I think in some we're senses. We're going to have. It sounds like there's going to be some form of it. Mm. Just. It's just not going to be anywhere near as detailed or anywhere near the same. It's it's about you know seeing all these guys in one place, isn't it? Being able to com- compare and contrast, and that's what we're going to miss out on yeah. hugely. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Andy. Just one final point on Sewell as well. He's only twenty, which I didn't realise until just now. So he's a uh, he's like ridiculously. Uh, well, he's got a ridiculously long career ahead of him. So man. Looking forward to seeing that, and I, and I sincerely hope it's on the uh, right side of the Dolphins' line. <laughs> yeah, you were saying the other day, weren't you, about Austin Jackson staying at left tackle and then having obviously that's the blind side, then obviously playing in right tackle, isn't it? But so you'd yeah. kind of benefit twofold from that, really. That's it, yeah. And two first round as a bookend in the line would be fantastic as well. Hmm. 
Yeah, one to watch for sure. Um, shouldn't escape the top five picks, I don't think. So, uh, yeah, shouldn't have to hang around too much on draft evening when that come, does come around. But yeah, that does us. That's our, our five, as I mentioned before, and as we all mentioned before, we will move into a second part of this uh, later down the line with other tackles that we've mentioned uh, previously on our mocks and things like that. But for now, let's move into our sleepers. Right then, so let's start off. Rob, you've had a bit of a disaster. Yes. Um, obviously, this is the year of uncertainty, isn't it? With, um, you know, declarations and whatnots. And I've, um, I've a guy that's been in the back of my mind for a long while. Uh, I say a long while, since probably week three. Um, I saw some tape on him and liked him. And he's sort of been flying well under the radar, I would say. Um, so I did a load of, load of research, watched a load of tape, um, made a load of notes uh, for Myron Cunningham, uh, Arkansas left tackle, only to find out five minutes before recording that he's actually going back to college. Um, so, uh, so yeah, unfortunately, there, there is a scout report, and it's a good detailed one as well, but um, this is a sort of a note to say, watch out for Myron Cunningham at Arkansas next year. Um, he's a kid that was at Juco, didn't get no offers um, from high school coming into college. He, he went to Iowa um, Central, uh, Juco College, um, where after just a year there, he got offers from the likes of Texas, Pitt, Indiana, Oklahoma. Um, so he made right a good impression at Juco. And since being at uh, Arkansas, obviously being with with uh, Sam Pittman, you know, he's a fantastic offensive lineman uh, coach. Uh, he's come on so well um, and looks, he had a fantastic year this year. There's a few fundamentals that he needs to work on. Um, so it's actually pretty good that he's going back for another year because I think that this time next year, he's going to possibly be sort of a, a, a day or definitely a day two pick I would say so yeah one to keep your eyes out for next year Myron Cunningham for Arkansas yeah for sure keep that keep that report saved and we'll come in handy next next year for sure when we're doing this all over again Andy you've watched a lot of Arkansas did he jump out to you at all when you were watching uh, Arkansas yeah I must admit like that, that whole um, offensive line and, and everything around so protecting Felipe Franks this year was was like very good I was like they, they were a really good team this year they were so much better than previous years and uh, it's, it's a shame Franks only stuck around for a year because um, they, they had something going there especially with the Mike Woods and stuff on the outside as well so yeah I thought he was really good and uh, and obviously there would have been a lot of worry around Franks getting those blindside hits so um, did really well protected him really well and um I mean, when we did the quarterback episode, that uh, might just be my sleeper there as well. So uh, there you go. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we'll move on. Um, I'll go next. Um, I don't believe anyone's picked mine, so I don't think I'm, I'm going to stump anyone with this. I know we've got another Pac-12 lineman in there, but yeah, I'm returning to, to uh, my favourite conference and um, going up for a player that I actually drafted in the third round of our mock draft, which will be on the, the website this week. Um, I've gone for Abraham Lucas, the right tackle from Washington State. Um, yeah, super impressed. Um, obviously, I was watching a lot of tape based upon 2019, so it was a lot of Mike Leach offense, so a lot of pass protection. Uh, but he does it really well. Um, start off with the height and weight measurements. So six foot seven, two hundred, uh, sorry, three hundred and twenty eight pounds. As uh, redshirt junior, so hopefully he's coming out. Hopefully, you know we've we've not heard anything against that. So uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully he's not going to be out of date by the time we get to the podcast out on Wednesday. But um, yeah, no, super impressed about uh, Abraham Lucas. He comes from the Seattle area, um, three star recruit out of uh, time just outside of Seattle, um, and he took a redshirt year just outside. Uh, sorry, for his first year in Washington State. 
Um, but then since after that, um, in 2018, he became the starter and hasn't missed a game since. Um, yeah, Pac-12 all second team, uh, sorry, all Pac-12 second team in 2018 and was on the Outland uh, trophy watch list for that season. Um, so yeah, he was obviously on the national radar, even as a right tackle. Um, but yeah, once he's... Uh, sort of played there, obviously played on Nick Rolovich and, and had a good season this year from what I've seen as well. So uh, didn't quite play the run and shoot offense as Hawaii um, as they did in Washington State, but still plenty of pass reps, uh, pass block reps. So obviously it's a it's a it's a big pro of his. He's a giant young man. He's got a thick frame. He's got a good amount of length as well as Rob mentioned earlier. It's a really big uh, aspect of offensive line play having to deal with these uh, speed rushers and these these really quick and athletic guys that are coming out to get your quarterback. Um, looks like he's got a really good anchor. Uh, without being an absolute bulldozer, he doesn't really pancake people a little bit. What we were saying, maybe a bit about Liam Eikenberg, kind of just kind of wards people off rather than being that, that aggressor. Um, but I was watching some interviews with Mike Leach about Lucas earlier on in the week. And when he was talking about him, he said he was getting stronger and stronger each year. But he did know that he did need to get a bit stronger. Um, I'm not sure if I, I kind of saw that when I watched a bit of 2020 stuff from him. But, um, you know, it's the sort of thing that when you get in an NFL weight program, I feel like that that will come along and... You know, if you're picking him up in the mid rounds, you know, maybe the start of day three, things like that, then you know you're going to have that developmental time. You're not going to be chucked in at the deep end at right tackle. You shouldn't be unless you know someone gets injured or something like that. So I feel like he will be given that time to to develop, and I think he's got plenty to work with. I feel like he's got a good grip strength. Um, not that he's supposed to be holding, but you know they all do. Um, and I feel like he doesn't really let the the pass rushers get past him, but he doesn't bury them either. Like I said before, stays in front of his man, stays square. And uh, yeah, really, really solid pass protector. Technically, you know, moving on to the cons, needs quite a bit of refinement. Pass sets weren't brilliant, quite inconsistent, inconsistent footwork at times. Um, and I don't think he was really pass setting a lot of the time. He was kind of heel clicking a little bit from what I saw. But for a guy who is six foot seven, doesn't play in too bad of a stance, plays a little bit upright, but not horrendously, um, does, does suffer with a bit of leverage problems. But also gets on top of people because he is quite strong as well and has that good grip strength so he can redirect people uh, quite a lot. Again, another lineman, a little bit like Darius, doesn't have that nasty demeanour, as we mentioned, kind of just wards people off um, rather than kind of burying people in the ground and pancaking them. Good hand-fighting technique, but some evidence of that being a bit inconsistent as well. But, you know, it's, again, kind of a refinement thing, a training thing, something that you can work on in practice in the first couple of years um, in the NFL, if he gets a good, a good line coach or someone to mentor him on that line, I feel like there's a lot to work with. Doesn't really work well with counter attacks. If someone comes back and back and back again because he's not burying them in the ground, then you know he can suffer with that. He, maybe not a motor issue or maybe a fitness issue, but something that he does struggle with, like kind of warding off repeated attacks, which doesn't have that nastiness to kind of bury them. Suffers a bit with speed as well was my other thing. Um, you know, if he's if he's and obviously inexperienced with with run blocking because obviously he doesn't hasn't done a great deal of that for playing predominantly under Mike Leach. But I did have a, a mid third round grade on him, which I thought was quite surprising considering that one side of his game is so lopsided, but obviously uh, picked up with the with the pass blocking, which was was really excellent actually. So um, yeah, one to watch. I think a mid round guy who will be turning some heads, but doesn't have any left tackle experience, so be purely on the right side or a swing tackle maybe as he gets through. But I think a, a solid guy who can do a, a good job for someone in the in the NFL in the in the mid rounds for sure. I bet he goes back to college. <laughs> <laughs> Why have you just seen something or something like that? <laughs> no, I just uh, just quickly Googled and it was like will he go, will he not? And then it's like what we got like a couple of hours left and he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah he could do with that. He could do with maybe another year if he does if it ends up being 
a waste of my time. But um, yeah, a prospect that I like nonetheless, you know, we might be kicking into next year as well. But, you know, I don't know what the depth chart situation is at Washington State, but maybe getting some left tackle experience or just getting some more experience in run blocking, becoming a bit more rounded would, would do him a lot of a lot of good. But yeah, a nice moldable ball of clay, I thought, from what I saw. Yeah, I thought you'd fit perfectly with someone like the Bills who just kind of like, you know, high tempo, pass offense, just kind of sit on the outside there and, and protect uh, Josh Allen in that game. I think they, they could benefit from that. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good shout, actually. Um, definitely got a bit of athleticism around him. So if he goes with a mobile quarterback, he can definitely move around the pocket and um, allow him to kind of move around, not like a, protecting a statue, like a Tom Brady or something like that, for sure. Uh, Andy, we'll come to you next. Uh, you can you can kick us off with your your uh, sleeper. You know, you stay in the Pac-12, aren't you? Yeah, I think uh, I don't know whether this guy's really a sleeper. To be honest, I mean, uh, very uh, very well, a lot of hype around him last year and stuff. So I'm going to go with Walker Little, uh, Stanford. Um, hasn't played a game since uh, August 2019 when he when he dislocated his knee um, and then opted out of this season. But uh, before that, it was there's so much hype around him, um, and there's you know there's some good reason why, but also like I think some of it was just uh, hype, and uh, and there's a few flaws to his game which are going to hold him back a bit at the next level. So uh, yeah, just breaking him down quickly. Six foot seven, three hundred nineteen pounds. He's a big guy. Um, he was two four seven's top recruit in the nation in the twenty seventeen class. Uh, got um, pro caliber uh, bloodline grandfather and uh, uncle both pro linemen. Uh, pro, well, pros. I, I didn't really get into deep enough to know whether they're linemen, but the, but the look of them on, on family photos and stuff that they must have been. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously opted out this year, um, which uh, not really a surprise. I don't think uh, re- rehabbing that knee and and not wanting to go again to to dent his stock any further. Um, he's obviously got a really good frame for the position first and foremost, and that's uh, that's going to stand him in good stead. Um, he's got really nice footwork to accompany with that. It creates leverage by kind of um, moving uh, moving the line whilst he's engaged, which is quite a like, skill which I didn't see from the likes of Eichenberg. I haven't seen from ABT that just kind of engaging and shifting players uh, away from the away from the pockets. Um, it, his main uh, like positive points for me is in the run game where he boxes off rushers in a way that you don't really see a lot just gets his body between um between the the the, the rusher and the uh, and the ball and so it's quite it's just quite impressive i don't you don't really see them, a lot of them turn at that like direct or right angle and just say no and i think that's what um a lot of bryce loves yardage came from that season before he did his knee as well fantastic running back who hasn't quite kind of made it in the league but but those two combined for really good uh, rushing yardage that season um Great vision instincts, like we've talked about before, just to, to the rush on blitzes, identifies it before the play. Uh, can't say enough about that. Um, very athletic, moves well when he's pulling on tape, but I, I kind of wonder whether that's going to be impacted by the knee injury a little bit. Obviously, going to be wearing that strapping and stuff as well, which uh, having played with um, having like, torn knee ligaments and played football, uh, that's not easy to move with some of that, that strapping on, is it? So uh, I don't know if that's affecting him at all. Um, again, bends the knees really well, and that combined with his long arms and his athleticism, that, that allows him to recover really well when he's uh, initially... Uh, driven back a little bit so very impressed with that Um, I saw quite a lot of examples of him uh, like going three quarters of the way through a rep like kind of seeing the man off and then just kind of letting it go and and a bit of that kind of time away from it there so so that needs to be kind of drilled into a bit further Uh, and that kind of rolls off quite a lot of cons to be honest Um, he can get beat by the quick rushers 
uh, on the outside again that lateral quickness but then he can also lose balance quite a lot and, he, and there's, a, there's a big balance issue here because he ends up on the floor quite a lot but um I, but I did notice I watched the Notre Dame game in 2018 actually is the main bit of tape here and he, and he, and he there's a couple where he was just like losing his balance and just getting beat on the inside and it was a direct rush into to KJ Costello there um and another thing from that game, which is really leaping out to me, was the kind of the, the, the flailing nature of his hands. It's, it's all well and good being quite like quick and punching away and moving and moving yourself, but there's some of it just like watching like Mr. Tickle just out there, just like, like flopping all over the place. So yeah, needs to needs to tighten them up a bit, and um, and like the kind of all out bull rush guys uh, are going to give him a bit of a, a bit of trouble there as well. Just uh, not the not the best um, at setting his, his stance and getting into that. So there's a lot to work on. And to be honest, I gave him a first round. I, I drafted him in the first round in our first mock of the season, which was like well overdoing it. But I was I was solely going on the on the PFF hype that I'd got myself into a bit. So <laughs> I can I can only blame myself there. But. You know he he's he's got a lot of a lot of potential. Hopefully, uh, you know doesn't get a reoccurrence of that knee injury, and I think you'll be seeing a starter in the NFL in the next few years. Yeah, he he had a lot of hype around him when I watched his tape in summer, and I was just reading my uh, report that I wrote in summer about him, and we've got a lot of the same points, especially in the con section. And the opening line of my con section was, I have to say, given the hype that it receives as a potential first round pick, I was left wanting a lot more. The thing, biggest thing with to me, and the thing that you, I don't think you were looking at the camera at the time, but when you said that he falls on the floor all the time, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen an offensive tackle or an offensive <laughs> lineman on the floor this yeah. much. Like he has such problems with his balance. And one of my things that I've kind of noted when I was watching him in the summer was he doesn't seem to win reps, but he doesn't allow the other guy to win either. He yeah, kind of just like it. gets away <laughs> with stuff all the time. He's really frustrating because obviously he's got a lot of pedigree and obviously he's very talented, but he just doesn't seem to like finish off anything that he's doing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I reckon he's going to be one of these guys. I mean, this is purely not off the top of my head, hypothetical or something. I reckon he's one of, one of the guys where you said some of them will be sat on the sat on the couch eating McDonald's and playing games. I think he's the opposite because of that kind of pedigree he's coming from. I reckon he's going to put in a lot of, lot of work and he's rehabbed really well. And I reckon he's going to like miss out if the combine doesn't go ahead because I think that's where he's going to boost his grade back up the back up the rounds. But uh, but yeah, there's certainly a lot to work on. But there is also a very moldable prospect there, which. Um, someone's going to have a good go at least. I think that's a decent point, actually, considering his family ties to the game as well. You know, they're going to be in his ear potentially, aren't they, all year if he is rehabbing and whatnot. So, yeah, no, good shout. Yeah, just to, like, throw my own thoughts into that about him being... uh like really sought after out of high school I agree first I heard of him was like a couple of years ago and um like talking to like a like fellow draft nut about him like over a year ago about watching him and that he, he could grow but he just needs yeah he needs a lot more to his game and uh yeah I, I agree he he does uh he does miss and then lose out on, on too many blocks and ends up backwards or, or on the ground they be uh, still be really interesting kind of guy to to follow during the draft just to see where he goes who picks him up to see if um the the offensive and offensive line coaches can get all those pluses out of him and because yeah he's he's for that reason he's perfect sleeper if he goes to the right place there's a lot to work with mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually had him graded almost exactly the same as Abraham Lucas, which when you're considering that where those two guys have come from is a bit shocking, really. But um, yeah, you know, there's a lot to work with if, if you can sort out these pretty fundamental issues about balance and, and things like that. But, you know, 
it's, there's a lot there. Yeah, it shouldn't all be lost then, should it? Because no. guys like Lucas, they got like they can they can do things. They can go places in, in the right situation. Little's little's the same. It's funny though how you feel about like one player compared to yeah. the other, even though you've got exactly the same grade on them, isn't it? Yeah, one starts up high, one from further down, and then they end up meeting in the middle in terms yeah. of of draft range and, and scouting and, and grading. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I would have I would have watched them probably pretty similar time as well as I was going for all the tackles in the pack twelve. Um, but yeah, no, interesting one for sure. I, like you say, Liam, I think he's a really really good sleeper um, and one I'll definitely be looking out for. But I hope he doesn't get lots of charges though. I don't want to have that project on our hands, to be honest. If someone else if someone else makes a success story of him, then fair play, but I'd rather it not be us. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, Liam, you'll finish us off with your sleeper. Uh, yes, I, I, um, a couple of guys I was thinking about for this was a sleeper. One of them that comes to mind that's not getting a lot of buzz is a, a guy that uh, plays for BYU and then thinking about that he'd be our fourth um, BYU sleeper I kind of I, I deliberately just left him and uh, uh, moved on this is uh, to a, a guy sort of uh, personal preference it's uh, uh, Landon Young uh, out of Kentucky um, for the reason uh, like I say personal preference because I have a, a thing over the years for Kentucky O-linemen um, I've always um, graded them quite high or higher than others usually and uh, so I um, realized that they got a couple of guys inside that could also um uh, could also declare, but uh, yeah, Landon Young will um, be uh, declaring as a senior offensive tackle. Um, another huge guy, six seven, approximately three hundred and twenty pounds. Um, a five star recruit out of Lafayette High School, um, born and raised in Kentucky. So um, recruitment was was probably fairly good going for him in being in Kentucky. And this season, as I say, as a senior. Um, been named SEC O-Lineman of the Week a couple of times. He's had a really good season. Um, uses uh, like his size really well on the O-Line. And uh, down down the stretch, I've, I've seen some really good things uh, from him. They're quite an interesting uh, offense the last couple of years that he's been starting at, at left tackle. They obviously a big-time run-first offense. Um Last season, thinking of um, Lim Bowden, they love to use the option as well. So he said to um, be quite a busy uh, blocker in the uh, in the run game and run first uh, formations. Um, similar to what I said about uh, Leatherwood, shows uh, really good hands and effective uh, once he gets um, once he gets onto uh, onto his pass rushes and onto blocks, creates movement really early in reps. Um, often tasked with uh, double teaming is a note that I've made. So he's he's had to get has experience having to get off of uh, two blocks and does it quite well. There's obviously a lot of upper body strength and fairly good technique there to be able to do uh, do that. Like I say, in a run first uh, offense, he is uh, fairly mobile. Um, uh, and again, a bit of a mauler. Teams that um, will look to create. Um, like plays out of um, the backfield in any case either a run or like we we've talked about a mobile quarterback play um i think we'll we'll give him some good marks uh for some of um the run first plays that he he's put on tape um a few things that i've noted that he needs to work on um because it's a bit of a one-dimensional style of play at uh, kentucky um being run first there's not loads of pass protection reps and um, I deliberately looked into some of the tape from 
this year and you're literally kind of waiting for a good uh, set of run plays or excuse me pass plays um for him to kind of show like uh just how good he can be in pass protection and i think it kind of does show up that there he is a run first blocker um there's um i've noted here there's instances where he can be like pushed back very easily in pass protection against the good edge rushes he's playing in the uh, SEC, of course, so it's got a lot of good D linemen um, coming at him, and it's a kind of um, a good chance for him to to show against good talent. But um, yeah, there's there's times where he's really kind of pushed back by edge rushes. Um, he's, as I say, six seven, and even at six seven, I think he plays even more upright because there's um, instances um, that uh, I've noted due to his size. Um, that he literally looks a little bit like he's kind of blocking down. You want to kind of to block and be able to push up uh, when, especially if you're in man and someone's rushing straight at you. And there's times where he's just having to kind of fend um, blocks inside too much. And it, it it's kind of looks really untidy. Um, not great against counters for very similar reason. I think um, that coaches will be, coaches will really have to work hard with him I think in pass protection um, if you think about the kind of formations especially with the quarterbacks formation starting off a lot deeper like in shotgun and things that Kentucky didn't run so much I think there's a lot that he's going to have to learn um, similar to, to Leatherwood where I where I finished with like off the field stuff um, there's um, a couple of things to talk about that he is um, uh, a good uh, leader. I found a few interviews. He seems to interview very well. Um, Kentucky's offensive line coach, John Sharman, um, died rather unexpectedly this season, and it became a, a theme for the season that um, uh, their O-line was wearing uh, his old number during the year, and I, I found him doing so and um, taking um, a lot of like the the kind of the leadership stance, and I think that's a really good thing, especially in the uh, bowl game this year when they, they beat NC State in the uh, Tax Slayer Bowl. And um, I looked up that tape and he was really, really, had a really, really good game there. So um, recency bias is on his side as well. Um, but overall, I think I'm going to have quite a late grade on him. But um, there's some positives there, and especially for a team that likes to run the ball really well. Um, I think Landon Young out of Kentucky is a really, really decent sleeper. Yeah, it's really, you know, talked about a lot of positives there you know both on and off the field as well um he reminded me that yeah the coach did die didn't he that was a really sad moment but yeah um i do remember them yeah coming up with that number um you know on for the for the coach and that tribute for him so yeah does speak to the the guys on that that uh that unit and how highly they thought of that coach so yeah for sure what um are we looking at a purely day three guy potentially not even drafted guy or yeah it'll be interesting to see um he's he's i looked up the senior bowl invites and he's, he's not on there and he is a senior um so they would have been nice to have seen a little bit more extra just to kind of be able to put a final grade on him and i'll certainly go back maybe and look at some of last season's tape as well to see how effective he was in in last year's um formation but um i i, I think he could be drafted yeah i think he's definitely draftable but like i say a lot of his strengths are in run first plays and that and of course the nfl is is very much the opposite although there are teams that are employing run first uh mm. run first offenses more and more but um like i said i went through his his 
his cons and areas to work on and a lot of them are in in pass protection and against pass rush and I think that's going to be a big big knock on him going up to the next level mm, for sure so you opted against Brady Christiansen then that's the guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know. I kind of hinted that even I didn't even bother to say his name, did I? But yeah, Brady Christensen is one to watch for me. But I just deliberately stayed off of him because he would have been our fourth BYU sleeper, and instantly just decided, no, I need to go elsewhere for sleeper this time around. Especially as I've had two of the previous three <laughs> on previous episodes. Yeah, for sure. I will uh, be starting a BYU podcast at some point. Um, as far as Zach Wilson's got no number one in all of our mock drafts uh, <laughs> so uh, far. We'll, yeah, wait and see. <laughs> wait until the uh, quarterback class. Yeah. Be yeah we'll, we, that's not we'll too far, have to it? become Mormons, won't we? <laughs> Go on a mission together or something. Um, yeah, obviously quarterback's not too far away. We don't have many of these left now, do we? we well, for our first round of, of all the positions anyway. What we left with, we left with uh, wide receiver, quarterback, you're in corner. I don't think we're in no, corner. Corner and edge on defense. There's two on each side. Yes, there's four four more to go. So, what are we doing? Are we saving edge for last, as we we mentioned? So, corner next week then. Sounds yeah, good. sounds good. Fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, back next week with two podcasts. We will be doing a college football podcast next week. We are last one of the season, uh, and then they'll kind of go ad hoc a little bit. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do a bit of a season roundup next week. And then, obviously, the scouting podcast, which you're listening to now, will continue uh, to go all the way through into the draft, probably beyond as we round that up. Um, and we do have a big announcement next week, so make sure you listen to the next week's college football podcast, which will be with you next Wednesday, because uh, we do have a, a quite sizable announcement to make about something that we've been working on that we've kind of hinted at for a few times throughout the last past few weeks and months. Um, but, yeah, something that we've been working on that we're going to be very, very happy with um, but yeah, we'll save that till next week and we'll announce that on there. Uh, so yeah, that rounds us up uh, for today. Also, oh, go on, Rob, you were about to say I'll just say, well, we, we, we might as well tell him, Lee. It's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's Kieran Patterson. He's going to be, uh, he's going to be on his knees begging, begging for mercy. <laughs> um, that is not what Lee was getting at. He but... wasn't. <laughs> I thought you just like, yeah, fine. You just decided yeah, no. to announce it. Yeah, we've got two things that we've been working on. Yeah. Like, what you've been working on more than anything. We'll save the big thing till next week, but yeah, uh, we will announce this week that I have written, and Andy can det- attest for this because he has uh, he has proof read, read it for me. It's a stormer. I have <laughs> I have uh, I've put out all the stops for this one. It's um, yeah, gonna, be, it's gonna be well worth a listen. So uh, yeah, that'll be coming in your ears next week or possibly the week after. But it's coming. It's coming. Okay, he's not really shying away from it either, is he? he, he no. he's he's uh, he's going to hit it head on. I feel he is, which is good, which is good of him. Um, so yeah, there's plenty of plenty of uh, plenty of things coming from us over the next week. A big announcement: college football podcast, scouting podcast. Where we're going to be talking about corners, and also uh, Kieran reading out this uh, this speech for the for the bet that we've been having all season after LSU tanked the season and were terrible. Last thing then to do just before we get out of here, let's get some handles given out and uh, let's get out of here. So Andy, I'll start start off with you there at the top. Yeah, uh, AJ Moore twenty one or Dolphin underscore UK Pod, uh, which we're currently discussing how good Chad Henne is as a quarterback. <laughs> 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 Former Dolphins, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and Liam, what about yourself? Uh, I'm on the Twitter at Liam sixty six NFL. Loads of NFL college football. All the um, scouting and draft prep that's going to be going on now that we're full in into uh, draft season now that the college season is over. So yeah, at Liam sixty six NFL. 
Awesome. And yourself, Rob, what about yourself? Um, I've changed mine. Um, I, I did threaten it a couple of months ago. Um, and it is the most out there Twitter handle you could ever imagine. Cool. And I've not just seen it, to be honest. At Rob Grimwood. Go follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just nice and vanilla. I've I've stepped away from fantasy football. Um, I did make the announcement on the on the fantasy football podcast a couple of weeks ago. That you know this this scouting uh, thing thing we've got going on now is 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 taking uh, precedence for me. And I don't know if I'm going to go back to fantasy football next year. I probably will, but um, for now, we'll drop the FF Brit baller. We'll go with Rob Grimwood. Awesome. So there, there you go. Um, new handle. We'll have you talk about defense in no time. You change man these days. <laughs> Don't push it, mate. Don't push it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, and me at Wakefield 90, that's where you can find me talking about college football, talking about Chargers. Obviously, we're Brandon Staley fan account nowadays with the Chargers appointing the defensive guru who will be, uh, you know, the number one defense next year for sure. Nail it in. Probably not, but we'll see. Same odds as what Winston's got for being the MVP. <laughs> oh my God. Strong odds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fighting a losing battle against you too. Ganging up on me with me, Jameis Winston fan fandom. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening again. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it on, on that sour note that you've kind of introduced there to the end of the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.